Welcome to the audio podcast, the weekly sermon of the First Presbyterian Church of Brooklyn. We continue our multi-access worship both online and our recently renovated sanctuary. Sunday morning service is in person at 11 a.m. and we are live on firstchurchbrooklyn.org as well as the church Facebook page at facebook.com slash firstchurchbrooklyn. All one word, no spaces. Now, this week's message. I'm going to pray before I begin speaking. God, I've struggled this week to be so specifically attentive to what you want to say. I've taken such pains to try to articulate the meaning and mystery of your resurrection. And I've done all this knowing that I'll fail, that my words will ultimately fall short, but bring us closer this morning closer to understanding your love for us and the resurrection towards which we strain. Help your people to capture what is good in what I say and to reject what is untrue and unhelpful. Guide us by your grace. Amen. We had a Good Friday service where we spent time looking at artistic depictions of Jesus' crucifixion. Crucifixion in Soweto, on the Mexican-American border in Iraq. They were painful, haunting, and disturbing, and familiar in a discomforting way. Because we're all well acquainted with death. We're bombarded with it. The reality of it washing over us every day in graphic images and stomach-churning statistics, and pundits punting responsibility for it from one side to the other. There's so much crucifixion art. In fact, I don't know if there's any other historical or mythical moment that has been captured quite as much. Because death is so common, so familiar and easily accessible and communicated through artistic form, but resurrection... Where are the photos and films and canvases filled with renditions of resurrection? Whatever exists is nothing in the face of the vast documentation of death. Resurrection is supposed to have happened all those years ago, but we're here in the present, right? And you see the same world as the rest of us, full of blood and bullets, and bestial appetites, and you see no God there. No resurrection for the crucified. The wretched of the earth cry out, and sounds like there's no God to hear them. So resurrection? How dare we even imagine such a thing? What kind of affront or disrespect to the finality of the deaths of the innocent ones who are gone forever? There's a story, right? So the death of Christ was the killing of an innocent person by the state. Roman cops carrying out this bloody work. And still today, police crucify the innocent. And sometimes families will get financial settlements from the state seeking to avoid full accountability. But one mother, her child taken from her by cops, like Mary's son was taken from her, rejected the money and said no Raise him. I want you to raise him from the dead. 
and she would take no substitute. But the crucifying powers of this world kill and kill, and they cannot promise resurrection. It's enough to make someone with any heart very angry, even to seethe with rage. And a lot of you have come for a nice, pleasant church service this morning, and you're not trying to hear all of this. But if you're honest with yourself this morning, you might admit that you're angry too, for very good reason. Perhaps only quietly, an undercurrent of bitterness that we carry because we've tasted the bitter iron of our own blood. Because our own pain can feel so deep and unredeemable. Or because we've seen what happened to a loved one who deserved better than what they got. Because who among us is untouched by suffering? Who among us doesn't know that low, empty pain of loneliness, or that slow grief that gets locked inside our bones, or a heartbreak that ended our little world that tied hope to a stone and dropped it into the deep. Life has a way of killing us before our body dies. So you may not be familiar with the empty tomb, but you know the valley of dry bones. You've been there before, or you're there right now, wondering where one can possibly go from here. How does one escape a living death, or the trauma that dogs you, or the cycles of pain and disappointment that you can simply no longer endure? But if you're here today, you must hold some hope. Somewhere in the eternal recesses of your heart, there must be some spark even if a dying flame that can muster the question, can these bones live? Can sinew snap to bone and muscle and blood curve around skeletal form alongside mind, fresh and new? Lungs filled with unpolluted air and a heart full of hope. Is resurrection possible? That isn't a theological abstraction. It's the very real and urgent question of whether dead things can live again. If broken hearts can be mended, if shattered souls can be pieced together, if justice can flow through a dry and traumatized land. Remember that this question, can these bones live, is not a question that Ezekiel poses to God, but that God poses to Ezekiel. As we worry over the presumed absence of God's resurrection, there is God putting the question to us. Do we believe that these bones can live? It's up to us to answer the question. Resurrection is our responsibility. I'm not saying it's ours to do alone, but God doesn't raise these bones before Ezekiel begins to speak over them. And God will not respond to our half-baked sense of injustice if we do not first step up to do something about it. To put our bodies on the line for resurrection. To take up a cross. To become an enemy of every crucifying power and fight for resurrection. We can't stand around and point at all the injustices in the world and the perpetual death that we observe and expect resurrection to materialize without a sacrifice. Christians have said that Jesus' death is some juridical ritual where God needs blood in order to forgive, and so Jesus died so God can go ahead and do that. But that's not it. God can forgive whenever God wants to, Jesus' sacrifice is the giving of his body, 
of his soul, of his whole life to the struggle for liberation. Jesus acts. He rejects the power of the state to kill him in some final way, like the Black Panther revolutionary Fred Hampton, who was murdered by the state in his sleep, who said, you can kill a revolution, a revolutionary, but you can't kill a revolution. Jesus confronts crucifying power, staring down the barrel of a gun all the way to the end. And beyond the end, the ones who followed him gave their lives on the belief that through his work, he made resurrection real. So instead of wondering where resurrection is, why don't we go out and make it? Instead of wondering how we can raise up these precious children taken by gun violence, why don't we do what it takes to make sure they were never taken in the first place? I don't see how saving someone marked for death I don't see how saving someone marked for death is any less powerful than raising them after they've died. This is the kind of work that we can commit our lives to and will likely take sacrifices that imitate Christ's because the powers that crucify do not lay down their weapons because of a twinged conscience. Their power to kill is taken from them by a people moved by the spirit of justice charged with a call to transform the world and committed to accomplishing that task by whatever means necessary. Oh, we all would, wouldn't we? In some other world. Some other life where I have more energy, where I have space in my mind, where I don't have more immediate and pressing obligations, where I've overcome the dread an exhaustion, and emptiness that keeps me sunk into an unchanging pattern. If we are going to bring resurrection to the world, we must first find it in ourselves. And I don't know how this happens. I don't know the exact mechanics of it, but God does it. People for thousands of years all over this earth have testified to the reality that God or gods, or energies, or whatever you want to call it, can transform our lives, can draw us into a depth of life that we didn't think was possible, can cut away calluses and scabs and mend the broken bones and unforgiving patterns of thought and make us new people. I don't know if Christ rose from the dead, and I don't even care, because I've experienced things more impossible than that by the grace of God. And because I've seen too many resurrections, let me share something with you. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a preacher. I'm a dead, broken, hollowed out kid who was brought back to life. The only thing that I am is a resurrected person. What else could you call my life? What else is available? All other language fails. Only resurrection feels true. And maybe you know the kind of death that I know. And if you do, my heart breaks with love for you. But let me tell you, if that's where you are, if that's where you've been, there is hope. There's life not just beyond or apart from death, but through it. There's a way to transform your pain and suffering and refashion it into something more beautiful than you can fathom. And my words are nothing in the face of the reality I'm talking about. 
So you hear them and you can reject them, but please don't ignore the reality that they're witnessing to. Find some scrap of faith inside yourself. I know there are a million things in this world clamoring for your attention and trust, and they use you and they fail to deliver on their promises. But make a tiny slat in your well-founded, hard-won cynicism for a little bit of light. There is a love for you deeper than you can imagine. A love you will be unpacking for all of eternity. But today, I just want you to acknowledge it. To let yourself be changed by it. And to go out into the world to transform it with that love. This is all we have. And it's all we need. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust you were fed as well as challenged by the content. This audio archive supplements a video library of the entire service. The video, along with music from our internationally recognized gospel choir, is available on firstchurchbrooklyn.org. We provide multi-access worship options both in person and online Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. We are live in the sanctuary, as well as firstchurchbrooklyn.org and the church Facebook page at facebook.com slash firstchurchbrooklyn. All one word, no spaces. Visit firstchurchbrooklyn.org for more information on both online and in-person worship. Remember that now, as always, you are loved.